2: Welcome back to Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. And we are back. We took an episode off for various reasons, but now we have returned. We're happy to be back. We've got a lot to talk about. I am Taylor, and I'm very pleased to be joined once again by Kelly. Kelly, how are you doing?
3: I'm not dead.
2: You survived the The COVID, the COVID,
3: the novel coronavirus 19.
2: You have joined the club of people who have gotten it and gotten through it, which is the which is the well, I guess the best club to be in would be the club that doesn't get it at all. Yeah, Uh, because you had a fairly terrible time. I had a fairly terrible time, but it sounds like I had a less terrible time than you did.
3: Yeah, it sucked. It was like a full week straight of just like, hey, you want to feel like garbage all day? Well, here you go. I'm also a person who doesn't get sick that often.
2: Uh, I'm fairly healthy, so I don't know if it was because I don't get sick that I was like, oh, this is really terrible, or if it was just really terrible.
3: <laughs> yeah, this was the first time I got sick since like the pandemic started, and there is that moment of like, oh yeah, this is what this is like.
2: And when you're in the middle of it and you're like, when I'm better, all I'm going to think about is how good it feels to be healthy. Uh And then you get healthy and you totally forget about it. Exactly. You're like, oh, fine. Because then you're like, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I'm this. (laughs) Uh, So I had all these grand
3: plans when I was like, all right, cool. When I get COVID. I'm going to be able to take a bunch of time off. It's going to be great. I'll be able to catch up on all this stuff. I'll be able to read all these things. And I didn't do any of that because I just felt like shit all the time. And I was like, all right, I'm going to lay in front of the TV and just watch things. I don't care about at all because I might fall asleep at any moment.
2: Yeah. Mine was a big nap time where I'd be like, okay, I could get all this stuff done. And then an hour into doing something, I'd be like, Oh, I'm really tired. I'm going to take a nap. Mm-hmm. Uh. So, yes, but happy that you are well again and happy yep. to be back doing this show. It has been uh, over a month for me without doing the show, and I'm happy to be back. Before we dive in, we got a lot to cover this episode. Got to do the plugs. If you're not yet following us on Twitter, follow us at Audio. You can follow Kelly at Geek Kelly, and you can follow me at TayMain, we did do a little bit of tweeting. Over the past few weeks, some about stardom, some about the Tokyo Joshi Summer Sun Princess, which we are about to talk about. So, trying to get some tweets up there, so definitely give us a follow. Subscribe to this podcast on your podcast app of choice. And if that app of choice happens to be Apple Podcasts, please, we'd love it if you give us a five star rating and review. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can donate to the show at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping bomb audio. And one further plug, last week I appeared on the Emerald Flow Show Mid-Year Awards Emerald Flow Show, a podcast all about the world of Noah and All Japan on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Last week was their mid-year award show where I appeared. Lots of talk about Joshi. So if you want to know my mid-year thoughts on Joshi, check that episode out. So we are talking Tokyo Joshi Summer Sun Princess. We're talking Stardom Midsummer Champions. We're going to be talking Sendai Girls who just had a big show. But first, Kelly, I got to ask you trying to pull people into this show. Sasha Banks, not in WWE. What Joshi company is Sasha Banks going to appear in?
3: I mean, she's got, she's got to go to Sendai girls, right? That's like, it's, those are her friends. I was briefly thinking they did have
2: a show, uh, last night, this today, last night, whatever you want to call it. I did wonder very briefly and not too seriously, if she would appear After the main event, which was a big Sendai Girls title match. If she would appear, a shocking appearance at Sendai Girls. But she did not appear. That would also be my choice. But you never know. Uh, She may appear back in WWE. Who knows? But now we've talked about it. So I can put it in the episode description. And we can trick people into Into listening to this episode.
3: (laughs) I mean, though, ChocoPro... Aki's leaving for two months there that leaves a that leaves a hole in the promotion that maybe Sasha Banks might be the one to fill. Maybe she will
2: become the new ace of Diana. (laughs) Uh, Diana just launched, I believe, just launched a streaming or you can now buy their shows streaming. And what better way to draw people in than having Sasha Banks appear?
3: Yeah, I haven't watched the uh, Ganbaray show that happened today. So maybe she shows up in there.
2: Maybe she shows up and everyone just agreed not to mention it anywhere yeah. online.
3: Yeah, she's like, all right, time to, time to wrestle Ken Oka.
2: <laughs> anyway, the first thing we'll be diving in today, into today on the show is the big Tokyo Joshi pro wrestling Summer Sun Princess Tutu from Oda City General Gymnasium in front of 1,130 fans, a very good number there. Also wanted to do this one first because I just wanted to say this podcast started in March of 2020, and here we are July of 2022, and this will be the first ever show that we cover on this podcast where cheering was allowed. A big moment wow. for the promotion and a big moment for us.
3: It was really cool watching the wrestlers come out, especially the ones that had never been in front of cheering crowds before. Like that, that was just really cool to see like in the opener, like you could see just Mocha really kind of being overcome by emotions in that open after the opening bell.
2: Yeah, it was really great. They did mention, I believe in the, first match that neither mocha or jury had ever wrestled in front of fans that were allowed to cheer, which is crazy to think about.
3: Yeah. Uh,
2: very wild. Uh, but it was a great show. I always said, I've always said on this podcast that the first show that allowed cheering, uh, in Japan would get wildly overrated by me. Uh, (laughs) But I thought that this was a very, very good show. Kelly, I think you agreed. Did you enjoy the show?
3: I loved this show. I thought it was great. I, I It was just, it, it was paced super well. It didn't feel like it was like four hours long. And just the crowd was so good. And I, I really loved the show. It was a really good time.
2: Yeah, I would have to go back. I was thinking about this and I didn't go back. I would have to go back and see what my overall thoughts were about Wrestle Princess 2. Because I remember really liking that show overall, like as a whole. I remember Wrestle Princess 1 had the Mizuki match, which was really amazing and really well praised. But I think my memory of uh, Wrestle Princess 2 was that it was a really strong show overall. So I would have to go back and see. But I think this is at least, at the very least, one of my favorite uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro shows ever. I think the whole card really was very strong which has really benefited them. In the past, it would sort of be like, oh, I enjoyed the show because one or two matches were good. And now, really starting with, I mean, to me, the third match, which we'll talk about in a second, I think everything really above the third match was pretty strong. Um, So, yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think Wrestle Princess 2, the only thing that immediately comes to mind is like, being better was i think they had more like intricate uh entrances and that show and this one kind of felt like it was missing that
2: yeah it will be interesting to see it's it's also so funny because 11:30 was the number announced that is not a number i would have gotten and if you would have said okay you looked at the crowd what would you have guessed 11:30 is nowhere close to what i would have guessed for the number of people it didn't look that full no and i feel like on the wrestle princess they wrestle those in venues that are a little bit better at feeling really full and they do as you said feel like a bigger deal mm-hmm. um so i do agree on that point i mean 11 30 is excellent for them especially considering we'll talk about in a second that stardom only drew about 100 fans more for their big show on the same weekend um but yeah it would be close as i said i would have to go back because i'm sort of i've sort of the memories of Russell princess 2 have left my uh brain <laughs> uh but anyway the first match as we mentioned a few minutes ago, a singles match between Moka Miyamoto and Juri Onaga Moka winning in four minutes and fifty-eight seconds by submission. Kelly, what did you think of this first match?
3: I thought this ruled. I went uh, three and three quarters on it. I thought it was an awesome opener and just a really cool kind of karate clash between these two. I, they they did a great job opening, and I like that they kind of they played to their strengths as just not traditional wrestlers
2: yeah i liked it too it was fairly short it was under five minutes um i really like the neck chop battle yeah. that they had that was an interesting sort of twist on the usual sort of strike battle um you know i think mocha is very good i still think she's sort of held back as we've talked about before by the her look um, yeah of this sort of weird dress Like, they're very similar in that they are both sort of karate-based, but Juria comes to the ring and looks very cool, even though, you know, she wears sort of the nurse outfit, which she then removes to reveal her gear. But I feel like her gear better serves her as what she is, where Mocha feels, it still sort of feels like not the correct look for her, especially if they're going to emphasize, oh, she is good at karate, like you know, they've had people like Palm Harajuku has done, um, I believe she's done some combat stuff, but that has sort of been de-emphasized. And I thought that was the way that they were going to go with Mocha, with this look. But if they're not, it feels like they need a different look for her.
3: Yeah, and I don't, I don't know what she needs, but it's, it's not that. Uh,
2: but yes, overall, a really fun, a really good start to the. To the show. The next match was an eight person tag team match. The team of Aja Kong, Palm Hair Juku, Raku, and Yuki Aeno defeating Haruna Neko, Hyper Masao, Kaya torabami and now Kakuda in 12 minutes and 28 seconds. Uh, first, the most obvious point. This is the happiest I've ever seen Aja Kong uh, (laughs) in any match. And this wasn't, it wasn't really a comedy match, not in the way that you think of sort of a DDT comedy match where it's almost entirely comedy and the match sort of takes the back seat. But still, I thought a super fun match. I thought one of the biggest things that stuck out to me was I talked a couple episodes ago about Torabami sort of hitting that, Point of she sort of had the moves that she goes through that were her quote unquote high flying moves to sort of show off her offense, and that she had sort of hit that ceiling. I think with this match, um, and a few of the previous matches she's shown, she's sort of stretching beyond that, which is really good to see. She's making those improvements uh, to sort of put together a full. Uh, sort of move set instead of just being like, ah, I'm a high flyer in move a, B and C. And the rest of the time, I'm just sort of a basic wrestler. She's added to her wheelhouse, which is good to see. So good to see those improvements there.
3: Yeah. I, I loved Masao just being like, all right, cool. Uh, I'm going to switch teams. Uh, So Palm, you're over here now. (laughs) That was really fun. And, And I really just, you know, I thought Aja Kong moved around pretty good. Like it, it looks like that time off has uh, paid off. Like she, it looks like her, her, I don't know, her joints don't hurt as much as they used to. So, and then I think that might be a part of why it looked like she was having so much fun because maybe she was for the first time in a while.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of, you know, I think that is part of it. I don't think that she'll ever be back to, you know full-time big no. match person, but it's very clear to me that, you know, in this match, she did the elbow from the top rope, which that got was kind of nuts sort of like, Oh, but it seems clear to me that she's clearly more comfortable being in the ring. I think she probably was in, you know, I don't know this, but she probably was in some amount of pain before, these you know she got these surgeries so it is good to see um see her very happy see her able to move around a little easier and hopefully uh extend uh, her in-ring career because i like seeing her
3: mm-hmm. and it was good to see her and Araku uh, back together after they split them up the last time that Aja Kong showed up
2: yes almost inseparable in this yeah <laughs> in this match which was uh,
3: a lot of fun I'm telling you, they should Uh, they should make a challenge for the tag belts.
2: I've always thought that they're going to face off one-on-one, but now that they're so buddy-buddy, it seems like that's not the way that they're going. <laughs> the third match was another singles match. The uh, debuting in the promotion, Ryo Mizunami defeating Miyu Watanabe in 11 minutes and 53 seconds. Ryo Mizunami subbing in for willow nightingale who was supposed to be in this match but had some visa issues and was not able to make it kelly what did you think of this match what did you think of ryu mizunami's debut in tokyo joshi
3: this was an awesome hoss fight like they were both hard hitting the miu's swing is never not impressive but like here it was so good because the first time you know she couldn't do it And then just once she got it later on in the match, just it felt so good to see her able to pull it off. And just the crowd went nuts. Like that was so cool. Uh, I went four stars on this. I thought it was great.
2: I also went four stars. I wrote the crowd was really hot. This was the first match where I was like, yeah, the crowd, you know, the crowd had been in the other two matches, but this was the first one where I was like, yeah, the crowd is like really into this. I really like this match because Ryo brought out the toughness Mm -hmm. in Miyu. You know, there's some matches in Tokyo Joshi where you can have a good match, but you're sort of – there's still sort of this character of Tokyo Joshi of sort of we're going out here, we're having fun, we're having a good time. And you can face people where you can have a good match – but it's more on the side of, you know, chummy, sort of friendly. We're having a good match and this is a lot of fun. Whereas this match, it felt like Rio was like, I'm going to give, you know, I'm going to give my best stuff and it's going to be really tough and you got to give it back to me in the same way. And I felt like Mew really stepped up. I tweeted about this during the show. It felt like she really stepped up to that, which I think made the match so good because we saw sort of that more tough side in Mio that we don't always see. Uh, but I was right with you. I went four stars. I thought it was the first uh, really good match of
3: the show. Yeah, Mio needs more matches like this cuz I I re- there there is 100% something there with her and just matches like this I think will help unlock that more.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, she's someone who you know, we always talk about people going to AEW and Yuka's been there and Shoko and, you know, different people. And there were some AEW people on the show. You know, Miyu is sort of on that level now in general, where I think she's sort of um, more hidden. You know, anyone who watches Tokyo Joshi is, you know, I can't say maybe everyone, maybe there's someone out there who isn't, but People who watch the promotion know how good she is, but I think outside the sort of bubble of Tokyo Joshi, Tokyo Joshi fans, she's maybe less known than someone like um, Maki Ito or, you know, a Yuka or someone like that. And so that sort of worries me that she's not at that level yet because it feels like with AEW, that sort of experience, you have to sort of be at the very top. To have them even sort of pay attention to you, uh, which is a bummer just because they don't have someone or it feels like they don't have someone. That's all that plugged into what's happening in Joshi in general. Uh, But yeah, I really hope she gets a chance because I think that she could really surprise people. I mean, she has the look, the sort of pink Look, which i think a lot of people would sort of associate with like oh she's gonna come out she's gonna be a nice you know blah 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 person but she has that sort of fierceness in her and obviously the strength and the giant swing and you know they talked about claudio castagnoli on the uh, english broadcast of the show and i think that would be a you know fun aspect so i hope that she does get more opportunities
3: definitely i and if she does go over there i hope it's not just jobbing to Serena Deeb and Nyla Rose
2: yeah and we'll have to see what happens with you know a lot of the booking which we haven't talked about because we haven't gotten you know to the top end of this card yet but if there is going to be a logjam which it feels like there is now she would be a great candidate to go away for you know not a year but maybe two or three months you know to get her in a spot where She's not just sitting around waiting for her opportunity, but she's out doing something, and then she can come back when maybe a little bit of the logjam is cleared. But we'll see.
3: Yeah.
2: The next match was a tag team match. Hikari Noah and Hikaru Shida taking on Mahiro Kiryu and Yuki Kamafuku. And the team of Noah and Shida. Coming out victorious in 13 minutes and 32 seconds. Kelly Mahiro Kiryu is probably one of the most talked about Tokyo Joshi wrestlers on this program. <laughs> what did you think of her? And what did you think of this match?
3: I thought she was fine enough here. Like overall, I kind of felt the match was clunky, but like there's no one wrestler I'd put that on. It just seemed like it they had a weird chemistry that didn't entirely click for me. But overall, I thought the match was still enjoyable. Um, I, I really enjoyed the exchange between uh, Shida and Kamiiu. But yeah, it it just had a had a weird vibe to this match that just I, it it never really clicked for me. I only went uh, two and three quarters on this one.
2: Uh you took almost all the words out of my mouth. Yeah. I literally wrote didn't really click with me, and it felt awkward.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. It it had an awkwardness to it that it was just like. It, it honestly it felt like one of those matches where it's like okay one of these people doesn't speak japanese
2: um yeah and i also wrote my other note was the saga of figuring out if Mahiro is good or not uh <laughs> which in this match i was sort of like who knows yeah um it is also one of those matches where they didn't have this on the show so i felt like it maybe could have been helped by um, some sort of stipulation. Like, they had the stuff with the chair, they had other stuff. It's like, why didn't they just sort of lean into that, especially with Akari Noah, who sort of is known for and likes that stuff? You don't really have anything else like that on the card. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I thought it was just sort of like eh um, it seemed clear to me that Sheeta and Yuki were a step above Noah and Kiryu in this match because as I said I think they they had the best sequence together mm-hmm for um, sure and looked the best but yeah a little bit of a a little bit of a disappointment and I'm sort of like can Sheeta wrestle in this company without wrestling Mahiro Kiryu? yeah <laughs> Like it's just weird that she keeps showing up in these matches, and I'm like, okay, like back back in another match with Sheeta yeah. again. Uh, so, but anyway, after this match, they did announce that uh, the non-binary Nightmare, I believe is their nickname, Max, the Impaler, will be coming to Tokyo Joshi in august for the august shows one of those shows will be a cork and hall show so that will be interesting but the next match and i think really uh kelly i'm sure you would agree with me the kickoff to the top half of this card oh yeah uh may suruga and suzume defeating ariso endo and riho in 14 minutes and 21 seconds kelly what did you think of this match
3: I thought this was great. Uh, All four women worked really hard. Uh, Mei and Suzume are a really fun team together. I like them a lot. The Mei and Riho interactions were awesome. Just, I love this kind of eternal feud in the background, trying to be the top Emi Sakura student. Like, that was really cool. And the Endo, I thought, did really well here too. Like, this was honestly one of her best uh, outings yet so far, I think. And, she and Riho are a really good team. I'd like to see them tag together again. Yeah, this was really good. I went uh, three and three quarters on it.
2: I did write my first note was Riho is the 25-year-old grizzled veteran of this match. Yeah. <laughs> I think she has more in ring experience than the other three combined. Probably. At, at only 25, and I th- she was the oldest wrestler in the match.
3: Oh, definitely not Uh, since the pandemic.
2: Yeah. Uh, Which is pretty wild. But this was exactly what I wanted out of the match. Fast paced. It moved really well. Uh, This was sort of in that spot that they sometimes do where they announce a really good tag match. And then it doesn't get enough time and it goes short. And you're sort of like, oh, well, under, under delivered. This did not do that. It was really good. I thought all four of them got moments to shine. I wrote that. Arisa Endo to me is clearly of sort of all the rookies, even though they're all sort of in different positions now, you know, you think Yuki Arai, uh, Endo, Torabami, Nagano, uh, of all of those rookies, she is clearly the most well-rounded of all the rookies. I thought that she really fit well into this match and She wasn't the, it would be easy to look here and say, okay, here's three really good wrestlers. who have been wrestling for a little bit. And Arisa Endo, who's the rookie, who's going to take the pinfall and we'll be fine in the match. I thought she fit in really well. I thought she impressed. And I thought she was on really pretty much equal level with the other three.
3: Yeah. Uh, I I I think one thing for Endo to really move up the card, I think one thing she has to do, is screw with her moveset a little bit because I think a lot of her stuff is knee-based and I really think she's going to blow out her knees one of these days. (laughs) Because so much of her moves are, up. I land on my knees.
2: Well, she's still very young and maybe as she ages she'll start saying yeah maybe i should do
3: less she'll (laughs) have the cm punk moment of maybe i shouldn't do the pepsi plunge anymore
2: (laughs) (laughs) but yes an excellent match and a good kickoff to the second half of the match the next match was our first of three title matches the international princess title match and the champion maki ito losing the title to Alex Windsor in 13 minutes and 22 seconds. I really enjoyed this match. I saw a lot of different thoughts on this match online as I was watching the show, but I thought it was really good. I had never seen Alex Windsor before, didn't really know even that much about her, and she really impressed me. I thought she was really sharp. I thought she had good offense, but even better, I thought she did some really great selling of ito's offense there was i think a couple ddt's that she took that looked really good really added to the match i thought it was a really great match with a strong really strong finishing sequence so i went four stars on the shocking upset of maki ito kelly what did you think
3: uh i agree i like the match a lot i had also never seen windsor before and was came away really impressed there was a bit when, like, I was actually in the middle of messaging you saying, "What is up with Windsor's gear?" And like, as I'm typing that, they're explaining that she lost her gear bag. I'm like, "All right, cool. Delete. Don't need to. Don't need to talk about that anymore."
2: <laughs> yeah, she she lost her gear. I believe most of her gear that she was wearing was provided by Chris Brooks.
3: Yes. Yeah, I know he said on commentary that he loaned her his kick pads and knee pads at the very least. So, yeah, so
2: I'm happy to see Windsor come back because I thought she was really good. And hopefully next time uh, she's back, we'll get to see her in full gear. So we'll have a (laughs) a little bit extra to see from her, but happy to uh, see Windsor win, because as I said, I'm more than happy to see more from her because I thought she was very
3: impressive. Yeah, I was Uh, not expecting her to win at all. Like that was a total shock.
2: I still don't. Uh, You know, and this has become a running theme of Tokyo Joshi in this podcast. I still really don't understand what's going on uh, with really any of the booking. Because I guess as long as someone who is not new doesn't win the, the Princess of Princess title, I don't really understand if anything that happens sort of has a point. I feel like this, the Maki Ito loss, is sort of chalked up to they gave it back to her to have a title so she could draw at the top while they couldn't get anyone in the country. And then they figured, well, now people can come in the country because it is, I think, going back to a little bit, or at least this win sort of signals it for me, going back to What it was before, which was sort of this more international title, you know, sort of more foreigner, sort of what the SWA title has been in the past for stardom. And so Windsor winning it makes sense there. But there's sort of the story of, if we think of just the story of Maki Ito and isolate whatever else is happening, I've sort of lost that thread of what is the story of Maki Ito? It seems like she's continuously stuck in the story of she's doing well. Oh, but she can't win. Oh, she's doing well. Oh, she lost again. It just feels sort of like a constant back and forth of what she's doing. And the through line of, Oh, she's gaining confidence. She's going up to the top. I thought was going to end when she won the title at, uh, Russell princess too. And then that didn't happen. So it's thrown the whole thing off for me because it feels like we're just retracing the steps we've already been through.
3: Yeah. It's I, I have no read at all of where we're going with her.
2: Like, cause someone said after, after the match online said, Oh, she got sucked into that. The crowd was back and she's into, you know, doing the call. Who's the cutest in the world for the first time in a while, which got a huge reaction. And that cost her the match. But I'm like, we've sort of already been down that road. And -hmm. then there was the moment when she was like, no, I'm the new era charisma and I'm more focused. And that was the whole lead up to the title match, which she lost. And now it's like, ah, she's back into being into the crowd and doing the middle finger in the match, which was all part of the story of her sort of becoming more serious and stripping that away on the path to the title and now that's gone. And she's sort of in the same position she was in a number of months ago.
3: Yeah. It's, it's weird. There isn't a through line there anymore where there used to be one.
2: Um, but we'll see, we have some things coming up and we'll talk about more sort of options as we get closer to the top of this card. But, uh, Something interesting to think about. The next match was our last non-title match, a special singles match between the AEW champion, Thunder Rosa, and Miyu Yamashita. Miyu Yamashita defeating Thunder Rosa in 13 minutes and 39 seconds. Uh, This match was maybe the most disappointing match to me
0: of the show.
2: It was, I had a lot of hype with it. I think, I understand why, but I think they sort of undercut it a little bit by having Thunder announce, well, if you beat me, I'll give you a title shot Mm -hmm. in AEW. Then it was sort of like, okay, so Miu's winning.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, But it just felt like they never really clicked in ring. It felt early to me like Miu was sort of pulling her strikes a little bit. Then it got sort of better in the middle. And then I thought the end just sort of fell apart. You know, there was the spot of thunder taking the mouth guard out, putting it in her mouth. Then Miyu goes to give the big kick, which thunder was supposed to catch and didn't.
3: Yeah, that was weird.
2: Um, and sort of from that point, it felt sort of just totally off where it was like, Oh, we're not really sure what's going on. Uh, you know, okay. And then it just sort of ended with, uh, you know, a me, you win. So this to me, so close to the top. I mean, I don't even, I didn't even put a star rating on this just cause you know, it was less than it probably would have been like three and a quarter. I don't know.
3: Yeah. I think I went three and a half, but it was a very disappointed three and a half. Uh, they, de- you, it was easy to tell they were holding a lot back for their eventual rematch Uh, one weird thing about this match that I noticed was you can tell how shitty AEW's live sound mixing is because Thunder Rose's music sounded entirely different than it normally does (laughs) it's like oh okay this is what it's actually supposed to sound like huh
2: I didn't even I, I couldn't even tell you what Thunder Rose's oh I guess it starts with Thunder Rose. Yeah, exactly. That's the only part of the song I could tell you off the top of my head is that part.
3: Yeah, it, that's the funny know. thing. Like, if you go to a live AEW show and you like can hear them, the pipe in the music more, obviously, because you're there, a lot of the songs sound way different than they do on TV just because their sound mixing is bad. And it's kind of always been bad. And it's bad in person, too. Like, the. Base on everything is always just so fucked up <laughs> but, but it's very much like this is okay this is what this song is supposed to sound like huh
2: that feels like an american problem because i feel like all sound mixing not even music but just in-ring sound mixing oh yeah is horrible i think the only promotion really that ever got it right was ring of honor because that was such a big part of their in-ring stuff was like hearing the in-ring stuff and they got it. Of course there was a lot of other stuff in ring of honor. That was a total disaster in terms of production. Uh, You know, the cameras were never all that good. The commentary was sometimes not mixed correctly, but they did get the in-ring stuff, but it just feels to me like that has historically been a thing that's never good. I mean, you talk about Miyu coming over and having those matches. She had that match against um, Masha Slamovich. You could not hear anything going on in the ring. No. And it's like, that's the whole thing with Miyu is you want to hear what's happening in the ring. And it was like, well, here's the announcers talking full volume over a silent ring. And it was not good. Anyway, the semi-main of this show was the Princess Tag Team title match. New champions, Saki Akai and Yuki Arai, the Reiwa A.A. Cannon, defeating the Magical Sugar Rabbits team of Mizuki and Yuka Sakazaki in 24 minutes and 28 seconds. Kelly, I'll throw it to you first. Did you enjoy this match?
3: I liked this match a lot. I really enjoy and Akai as a tag team. I think they're really fun together. Magi Rabi, always great. Uh, I thought the closing stretch of this match was awesome. And it really felt like they were like and Akai worked really hard for the win. Like this, this was definitely a fight and a struggle to win. And it, it, it makes it feel like this is a really big deal for, uh, Arise first uh, title in her career, not, I mean, I guess she did win the, uh, whatever the 24 seven DDT title is that I cannot remember the name of right now. That was her first victory (laughs) in wrestling back in 2018. But uh, yeah, I thought I was surprised by the result, but not unwelcome at all. I am super happy to see this new team come up and win the belts. That was cool. Uh, I went four stars on this.
2: I feel like I was probably based on the, the reaction while I was watching. I'm probably the low man. I didn't think it was bad. I went three and a half, but it never quite got to that next level for me. I really liked the beginning. I love the, as I've talked about before on the show, when the Magical Sugar Rabbits sort of do that Tanahashi heel sort of thing where they're not yeah. totally heels, but they sort of act, you know, rude, I guess you would say. Like, I really loved Yuka beating up Yuki Arai and then throwing her into her own corner to make the tag.
3: Grumpy Yuka Uh, is the best.
2: Yeah. Which I thought was great, but then I thought they sort of went away from it in the middle of the match. And I was like, eh, okay, this is good, but it's not totally clicking with me. And then I also really enjoyed the finishing sequence. I loved, um, Saki Akai holding, I don't remember who it was holding Mizuki and having Yuki just come up and kick her in the back of the head.
3: That was being, awesome.
2: Get over here and kick her. That I thought was really cool. i um, happy to see Saki Akai and Yuki Orai win. But yeah, a good match for me that never quite got to the next level. And I'm not really sure why. Uh, was fascinated to learn this was Saki Akai's first uh, tag title win in tokyo joshi however if you took another random member of the roster and oh like who? just a just any random person uh and you combined the tag their tag reigns with saki akai's you would have the most tag title reigns in the history of the promotion
3: huh that's a weird stat
2: yeah it is a weird stat and also it would be with four different partners wow uh yeah so uh surpassing Yuka, who had the record of three, um, but just a random stat, if you just found someone else on the roster, who's been on the roster, who's held the tag titles before, and combined it with Saki Akai's one reign, you would have the
3: record. Huh. Okay. Okay. I've, <laughs> I think I, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I think uh, we're talking about Rika Tatsumi, right? <laughs> yep. All right, You cool. got it.
2: <laughs> yep, you got it. <laughs> but anyway, the, the other thing I found, and this sort of ties in with the Maki Ito thing, is this feels to me, you know, obviously getting a title on Yuki Arai, I think, is important to the promotion um, for drawing purposes. But this feels to me, and again, I don't know if I'm putting the cart before the horse again, this feels like a freeing up of Mizuki to me. Yeah. It feels like once again you got us through this moment of time just like with Ito. You know, we can take the titles off you. You had another good reign. You're very consistent in the tag division. And as we'll talk about in a little bit, the Tokyo Princess Cup is coming up. And to me, I'm going to make the, I'm going to make a proclamation, Kelly. Okay. If at the end of Wrestle Princess 3 which I don't know exactly the exact date of that show I don't remember coming up in a few months though if one of three people I'm going to say Mizuki, Maki Ito Miyu Watanabe if one of the three of them is not Princess of Princess Champion at the end of the show I think that we are in deep trouble (laughs) because it feels like if that is the case, if the show ends and I don't know, Miyu Yamashita is champion. I think that is a clear sign to me that it is never going to happen. Yeah. And I get frustrated because things like this happen. Because they had the number one contenders match. Everyone said, well, Rika's gonna win because she's the only person who's ever held the title before. And Rika won. And the argument was, well, Rika has held the title before. She's gonna be the strongest draw. You don't want to put someone like Miu in that spot because the crowd won't believe, you know, won't believe she'll win. But now we're just creating we're creating a self-fulfilling prophecy where people go, Well, Miyu won't draw. On this show because she's never won and it's like yes that's why she won't draw <laughs> at some point you got to take a risk on one of these big shows or the thing about it is it wouldn't even have to be at one of the big shows if you change the title at a corican or something mm-hmm. and you said okay but also, I'm like, are you telling me that if Maki Ito became Princess of Princess Champion right now, that she would not draw? Because yeah, that's I don't insane. To say. That's true. At all you think of Mizuki. What, Mizuki, one of the, I mean, she to really to me, her and Maki Ito, less you know Miyu Watanabe, a little bit less than them. They're like the top of the company, but yet they haven't won the title which seems absurd to me. It's like, well, you trust Mizuki enough to be tag champion all the time, yeah. multiple times. You trust Maki Ito to, you know, hold the international princess title. She's always involved in big story. You know, she's connected with Miyu Yamashita. She's going over to AEW. She's a big deal. And yet it's like, well, we can't have any of these people. And it's like, why not? And it just feels to me like it's such an arbitrary thing, but it's stuck in my mind that Retzel Princess 3, it feels like we fully made, you know, we have all these new rookies that are really good right off the bat, which is totally new for uh, Tokyo Joshi. It just feels to me like that's a point where if you're not going to pull the trigger, then, then you're just never going to pull the trigger. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't do it then, in 2 years if mizuki becomes champion is everyone just going to sort of be like oh woohoo <laughs> like who cares <laughs> it's the it's the problem that many other companies have had where they sort of sit on someone and then by the time you make them champion it's too late i also think there is an element of you have to show people And I'm not talking about a specific, you know, know, not Mizuki. But you have to show the wrestling world at large that if you become good, you can get to the top of the company. You know, all the talk about Mirai going from Tokyo Joshi to stardom and she gets pushed up the card immediately. She wins the Cinderella tournament. But it's like if she was still in this company, what would she be doing? She would still be tagging with Suzume. (laughs) Yeah. Or she'd be in these opening small matches and you have to show to other wrestlers like if you become good, if you're very talented, if you have a connection with the crowd, you can make it to the top of the card because the story now is. Well, you can make it pretty high, but if you haven't done it before, we're not going to trust you at all. When you can look across, you know, it's like the grass is green. You can look across the stardom and be like almost every person who goes there who shows up. Immediately rockets up the card mm-hmm. in like five seconds. And it's like, would you rather sit here where you could sit in the same position for two or three years or go over there where you're going to get a push in a matter of months?
3: Yeah, so, it's very much a case of watching Jerry Lynn win the title when Tyler Black's right there.
2: Yes, you know, <laughs> and it's the idea of playing it safe. And I've talked about this booking rest, A lot of wrestling booking is taking risks. Are some of those risks going to work out? Probably not. Some of them might not work out at all, but some of them probably will work out. You know, I am not concerned if Mizuki were to win the title today, I'm sure she would go out and have great defenses. She's going to have great defenses. She obviously has support. She has the history of being this tag champion she has all these things. And so I don't know what they're so afraid of with being like, well, here are the four people who can win the title. And, you know, we had me losing to Shoko. We had Shoko and Yuka at cyber fight. Now we have Shoko and Rika. And it's like, we just have this combination of four people in different orders forever. Yeah. So this, this, Sort of a weird side tangent on this one, but I just feel strongly because now it's like Mizuki is free of the tag title. So you don't have to worry about, Oh, she has to stay with the tag title. She has to defend those. She can't become singles champion. She's got to, someone has to win the Tokyo princess cup of these three. And that person has to win the title.
3: Yes, absolutely.
2: To move this company. And I think to move this company up beyond you know, now they're running Cork in on a regular basis, which was a step up. Now they're doing these bigger shows a couple times a year, you know, three, two, three, four times a year. If you want to move to the next level, you got to get bigger. And I think running the same four people in different orders as champion is going to put a ceiling on this.
3: For sure. Like it's, there needs to be a, a change. And I was like, they, they're doing well right now. You can always do better. So anyway, but Kelly, you enjoyed the
2: semi-main main I event. Did. Uh, I did. I like yes. that match. But the main event was for that mentioned princess of princess title, the champion Shoko Nakajima retaining her title over Rika Tatsumi in 19 minutes and twenty three seconds. I love this match. I thought it was great. Love the leg work. Uh, I really love the moment of catching the six one nine into the dragon screw. The low six one nine into the dragon screw. I thought that was really cool.
3: That was but really cool.
2: I thought they had a. I thought they did great work on the dragon sleeper late in the match, where I thought at one point that the ref was calling it. He I did too. Sort of turning, running towards a thing, and I'm like, oh, he's calling it, and then he'd run back, and I was like, oh, oh, and I couldn't (laughs) tell. I thought that was really great. Uh, And at the end, I wrote that rule. Great work by everyone, and I went four and a half stars.
3: Nice. I went four and a quarter. Uh, I loved how it just... The whole match felt like a struggle for Nakajima. And I, I think this is her best title match so far, I think. I'd have to look back at what I rated other things, but this is... Immediately, this is the one that I think I enjoyed the most. Uh, I just I really liked how the match built. It was paced really well. Uh, Rika is insane for that hip attack from the top to the floor. Like that was nuts. Uh, the Dragon Sleeper looked great. Uh, just really, really good match. Just well, super well built. Uh, Nakajima did great here. I, I thought for I thought she was losing it. Here for sure, but you know what? She pulled it out, and rightfully so. This is a great title match,
2: yeah. Shoko is someone who sort of has it's sort of low floor, high ceiling for me. And then some of her matches, I'm like, yeah, I'm not really all that into it. But when she really gets you know, she has a good opponent, she puts together a good match, it can go really high for me. Obviously, I went four and a half stars. And this was one of those examples. I just thought it was really great, a great struggle. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was excellent. I mean, I think clearly, easily, you said, you know, you said the best match of this title reign. I think it would easily get that. I'm not even sure what would come close for me. Um, I also loved the hip attack. That was really great. Um, overall, great work and a great end. To the show and one which really for me took it from, you know, the show being like, oh yeah, this is a solid show to like, oh yeah, this is a great, you know, a great overall show because you end it sort of with this big moment of a great match, big moment, title defense, and a great cap to the show for me.
3: Yeah, this is easily one of my favorite shows of the year so far.
2: Yeah, I mean, I thought everything was... At the worst, pretty solid. You know, the Miyu-Thunder Rosa match was not my favorite, but I did see some people online who thought it was fairly good. Um, so I may be the low person on that match. And then the the opening few, there really wasn't that match. Maybe the eight-person match is the closest, but sort of covered by um, the Aja stuff there really was not that one or two matches where you're sort of like, okay, this is like, get the people on the card match.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the eight, the, eight one, the eight person tag was definitely covered by like, oh, this is fun. Like like that, having a match be fun can save you a lot of headaches where it's just like, ah, oh, just end it, just get these people on the card and get them out of here so we can get on to the next stuff. Like, it was just, you, it was enjoyable to watch. It didn't feel like, Well, these people are here just because they needed some bodies to fill the slot.
1: Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
2: But that is our review of Tokyo Joshi Summer Sun Princess Tutu from Oda City General Gymnasium Next, we move on to another big show from this weekend, the Stardom Midsummer Champions Kings of Midsummer from Taichikawa Stage Garden in front of 1,204 fans. Kelly, we have not discussed the show at all with each other, uh, so I'm fascinated. I am genuinely fascinated because I feel that we may have different thoughts. What did you think of this show?
3: I didn't like it very much. <laughs> it may have been just because I watched it immediately after I watched Tokyo Joshi. But I was just like, well, this, this is all right, I guess. Or straight to, wow, I hate this.
2: Interesting. All right. Because I really liked this show. <laughs> uh, and we'll talk, you know, some of it I was not crazy about. Uh, but other parts of it, I really like. So we'll go through uh, and see where we differed, match by match. Uh, we start. They did start with a dark match, the three-way match. Lady C defeating Hina and Yuko Sakurai in five minutes and thirty-one seconds. I did not see that match. I didn't either. Okay, I did miss that match. So I bet it's the match Lady of the C. night,
3: and that's why I didn't like this show. <laughs> I missed the best best match on the card.
2: But the first proper match was our first title match of the evening. The Future of Stardom title match. The champion, who now officially, I've spent the last two episodes uh, really focused on whether she had the defense record. She now does have the defense record.
3: Running the numbers. (laughs)
2: And is now very clear of that defense record. Hannon, the champion, defeating, who else? Wakasukiyama in 8 minutes and 23 seconds with a backdrop driver I almost gave Wakasukiyama the Frankie Kazarian treat, treatment and said you guessed it Wakasukiyama <laughs> um this was a match that happened on the card uh, mm-hmm. my my first note of this match is please don't tell me Waka wins so here's the thing
3: oh I thought for sure she was winning
2: <laughs> so did I uh, because we haven't talked about it yet. They have the Corakin on the 28th and Hannon and uh, Tomoka and Naba go to the time limit draw, which gives Hannon said it even, I think said it after the match that we've drawn. So I now have the defense record and then said, you know who I really want to defend against Wakasukiyama, which made me laugh. I was like, <laughs> of all the people like to me, Calling out Waka to defend a title against her is a thing that like a heel would do.
3: Yes, one hundred percent.
2: The heel he would come out and be like, "I'm tired of defending this title. I'm tired of having to work for these defenses. I'm going to wrestle the worst wrestler on this roster to give me the month off or whatever." <laughs> and then you would have Waka come out and win, and that would be the big moment of like beating the overconfident heel. But Hannon is not that character character at all. So I was sort of like, why is Henan so eager to defend this title against the worst wrestler on the
3: roster? Waka, who just the day before banana peeled her way into a blackface scandal.
2: <laughs> yes, which we haven't even gone into that yet. <laughs> then we were talking, uh, I was talking with some people on the uh, Voices of Wrestling Discord who were saying, oh, you know, we think Waka, they were saying, oh, we think Waka wins X, Y, and Z, here's why. And I was like... Oh my God, they're right. Walk going to win. She's going to win this. And it's, I'm going to be so annoyed, even though it doesn't really matter. Um, and then she lost.
3: Yeah. Thankfully.
2: And I was like, Oh my God. Um, this woman, um, she did appear at later in the show back. Someone took a picture of her something in a neck brace. So I do hope that she is not injured. Yeah um but i just i i don't understand i don't understand <laughs> and like, like i just... don't
3: think cuz i've seen people like all right she's going to get this big win i don't think that's coming i don't think there's a plan but with waka i just i think she's just oh we need someone to beat here she is and they just keep beating her and there's never really just any consideration to any story there. That's why she got this title shot where it's just like, Oh, there she is. She's a person here on the roster. It's not like, Oh, here's this big ass loser. I mean, we, the fans might see it that way, but in the company, I think oh, she's just someone like Rossi might not be keeping track and might not realize that they've just been beating this girl <laughs> like a drum every week. So I, I mean, I'm sure they know she's the lost post, but I'm sure they're not like, Oh, we could turn this into something because I don't think they think of her that way. I I well, I think the her going for a future title is kind of ridiculous. Like I messaged you about this. I did not realize that she's 30. Like and there's a 12-year age gap between these two wrestlers, which is kind of absurd.
2: Yeah, she is 30 and her professional wrestling record is she has one draw other than that she is 1 and 182.
3: Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> and, well, the funny thing is you say, like, oh, you think maybe they don't notice. I think they do notice because I was looking through the Stardom English Twitter, which was saying, Waka Mania is running wild. The crowd is going nuts for Waka. They want her to win. I, I, I don't know if they had bad audio mixing. We already talked about bad audio mixing. Yeah, I don't
3: think they've got anyone was going nuts for her.
2: <laughs> I didn't hear anyone going nuts. I heard her sad. I saw her sad at the end of the match. To a smattering of light applause. Yeah. (laughs) Like, very like, oh, well, we feel bad for you. Like, okay. Uh, (laughs) Because, yeah, it's
3: like, it's not the Hanma thing where it's like everyone wanted to get behind Hanma. Everyone just feels bad for her.
2: (laughs) But also the Hanma thing had a clear and definitive way to end, which was that he was going to win a G1 match. Yeah. Like, that was the thing where it's like, he can't win in the G1. So the you knew the end was going to be, he wins in the G1.
3: And also, Hanma had an established career prior to being the guy that loses all the time. Like, he's one of the pioneers of the Fluorescent Light Tube Deathmatch. <laughs> also,
2: he was very good at that time. Yes. He was, like, just an excellent wrestler who had good matches, who could not win this feels like here's someone who's fine and doesn't win. Yeah. I will
3: say one good thing about this match, Hanan is getting even better at those 2.99 kickouts. I mean... Those were thrilling. I I thought, was like, all right, Waka's winning here. Oh, no, she kicked out.
2: I mean, I think she's going to have a very good... Uh, I almost said G1, five-star <laughs> Grand Prix. Uh,
3: All right, Hanan's in the G1. Let's go. I
2: mean, we were just talking about it. I think she's going to be very good in the uh, five-star Grand Prix and a good opportunity to move up. I guess the thing that confuses me is now it does sort of feel like with Hanan, like who who is next? She now has the record by two, I think. Yeah. And that that was the other thing where I was like, if you're going to beat Waka why don't you beat Waka first? Because this isn't like a drawing match and then have her lose it to Anaba. Now, Anaba is on the cutoff point, like at the Sendai Girls show, which we'll talk about. She gave up the junior title because she's not eligible anymore. But I'm just sort of like, who wins at this point? I guess maybe they're waiting for Miu?
3: Maybe. I feel like Hanan should be allowed at some point to relinquish the title and get some sort of other title shot. Kind of like how the X division title has option X, you know, in impact.
2: But th- I think they've done that before. Cause didn't, U- I think Utami relinquished it.
3: She might've. Yeah. If
2: I'm remembering correctly, but anyway, I mean, that's a very minor thing because Hennen is good. I'm happy that she's in the five-star Grand Prix,
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: but just very weird. Cause I thought Waka was winning and then she lost. And I was sort of like, Oh, okay Uh, (laughs) all right the next match was a tag match the team of god's eye amy sore and mirai defeated the queen's quest team of miyu amasaki and utami hayashita when mirai hit the miramare shock on miyu uh kelly i don't have that much to say about this match do you have anything to say about this match
3: um, I like that God's eye team. I think they're uh they're a cool team together. And really like it feels weird to have Utami cycle down the card this far. Like she does not feel like she used to. Like it she's she's nearing balloons okada <laughs> levels of just like what is happening.
2: Well, I guess they're just, wait. you know, I think with the five-star Grand Prix, they're just sort of waiting for a lot of that. Because then you'll be cycled back up the card because you'll have a lot of singles matches. Yeah. At that point, I'm sure she'll main event uh, a number of these shows with whoever she faces off against. So uh, I'm not too worried about that. I shouldn't have let you go on first because you took my one thought that I had on this <laughs> match, which was that I also like the God's Eye duo. I think Amy Soray is a really good pickup. Because she's someone who they haven't needed to push a lot, but has been very good in ring. I think she meshes with Mirai really well. Uh, But other than that, I thought it was a solid match. I enjoyed it. But other than that, didn't really have too many thoughts about it. The next match was an eight-person tag team match. The Oedo-Tai team of Fukugen Death, Rina, Ruaka, and Saki Kashima defeating the stars team of Hazuki, Koguma, Mayu Iwatani, and Saya Ida when Rina pinned Saya Ida with a gory bomb. My note: my first note on this match is, uh, what? Yeah. And then I wrote, Rina pinning Saya Ida? Yeah. Which what? I didn't <laughs> understand, and then I did understand, but only in the way that I'm like, ah, that's what they were going for. But I was not happy that Saya Ida was pinned.
3: No, like, and putting aside Saya, how are you going to have the team that has the tag champions and Mayu lose to the Geek Squad of Waito
2: <laughs> Yeah, I thought if anything, they'd do the Saki Kashima. Uh, flash pin yeah. bit to keep that going, but I was sort of like Rina? And then, of course, she came out later to challenge uh, for the high-speed title. And I was like, oh, I understand why you did it, but not
3: really? Still. I, I, I don't think you needed to.
2: Saya <laughs> feels to me like I well, first of all, it feels to me like she got injured and the company was like, ah, we no longer trust you.
3: Yeah, she got Dolph ziggler Um,
2: Because I really like her. I think she's really good. And I think, I mean, sort of clearly based on this result, that the company sees her as sort of an opener, low level wrestler, which I'm sort of bummed about because I think she's really good, although I'm happy that she's in the five star because uh, I think she'll be really good there, but. It was just sort of a bummer to be like, ah, a wrestler I like who's really good. And it's clear the company sort of doesn't see much in her. I guess if, well, I guess you don't really have that many other people based on the uh, makeup of this card. But yeah, just a weird result to me. I didn't really, I thought it was just a match and then it had a weird end. And that was the only thing that stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. The next match was our second title match, the high-speed title match. The champion, Azumi, retaining her title, defeating Momo Kogo in 10 minutes and 39 seconds with the numero uno submission. Kelly, what did you think of this match? Uh,
3: I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I thought uh, Momo was able to hold her own against Azumi. And when you're working at this kind of speed, that is not easy to do. So she definitely looked like she belonged in this match. Uh, I went three and a half stars. This this was my favorite match of the show.
2: Wow. All right. A little spoilers for later. Uh, <laughs> I really liked this match. I thought it was good. It sort of started not like a high speed match, which I thought was sort of interesting. And I thought, oh, maybe they've just determined that Momo Kogo can't really do that style but then they did it near the end of the match and it was really good so i just thought it was fun that they sort of flipped the script which is usually they go like a million miles an hour in the first five minutes and then it slows down a little bit and they did it in reverse i have always been a fan of momokogo i know there's a lot of people who are like she's no good she stinks uh i think she's great i thought she was great in this match i think she had a lot of cool stuff i liked this 619 into the trip of azumi there was at one point where she started climbing the ropes and i thought she was going to do a moonsault and i was like wow this is going to be really impressive if she does a moonsault and then she just turned around and did a splash (laughs) uh but then i wrote at the end i thought it got really good at the end i thought momo looked really good they had a great finishing high speed sequence Uh, azumi looked great Uh, spoiler for the episode of emerald flow show but azumi was in my Top five wrestlers of the year, and this only helps because I went four stars. I thought this was really good, and another really good Azumi high speed title defense. Then afterwards, Rena came out. Well, after when I say afterwards, I mean almost immediately when the match ended.
3: Yeah, like it was right (laughs) away.
2: (laughs) Rena appeared to do a double stomp, which I actually really enjoyed because I was like, what the heck? Uh, And challenged. Uh, Azumi for the high speed title, so that will be happening in the future. But that was the high speed title match. The next match was our last of the non title match, a 10 person tag team elimination match. The Cosmic Angels team of Mina Shirakawa, Tom Nakino, Unagi Sayaka, along with the Colors duo of Akari Shimizu and Saki. Defeated the Dono Del Mundo team of Julia, Himika, Micah, Mae Sakurai, and, controversially, Natsupoi. When at the end of the match, Natsupoi gave a uh, thrust kick, super kick, I don't know exactly what the kick is called, to Julia to eliminate her and officially join. Cosmic Angels, Kelly. I'm really interested to know what you thought of this match.
3: I liked this match until the very end. I think the Natsu Boy turn sucked. I hate turns like this where it's like, all right, we're gonna go through the entire match. Everything is cool. Up, I'm turning my back on you. Like I, I hate that shit. (laughs) Like I thought that sucked. Um, I think it's a really just shitty character moment for Natsu I don't know. Why they would ever be like, all right, cool, you're supposed to like this person that turned their back on their friends. And rather than explaining like, hey, I feel like I can learn something more from this group. Just be like, haha, fuck you guys, I made you lose. I'm getting out of here, going to hang out with my new friends. Like this girl who I just really hated like a week ago, but we're we're buds now. It's like I don't know. I thought that sucked. I really just hated that. I don't know why we're making Cosmic Angels even bigger now. Um, but before then, I enjoyed the match. I thought the Micah getting the back-to-back eliminations was really cool. Within like ten seconds, getting two eliminations—that was awesome. Uh, uh, overall, really good action. Like I went, I went three and a half on this one too. I probably would have gone higher if it didn't have a shitty ending. Yeah, that's uh, a boy. Sucks. Uh, she's a bad friend. I wouldn't trust her as far as I can throw her.
2: Um, I like these elimination matches. Although I thought this was probably the worst one they've done of the recent ones they've done. It feels like they've done a ton of them recently. Yes, and it feels to me a lot like the sort of tropes of them are now appear are like the seams are now showing. Because you're like, oh, here's what happens. Two people end up on the outside. One, you know, they both get knocked off. Weird moment early in the match where May Sakurai appeared to eliminate her own partner. Yeah. (laughs) um, Which I thought was bizarre. And they were just sort of like, ah, she did it. My favorite part of the match was the same as Kelly when Micah just started destroying people in the middle of the match. For like a very brief amount of time, which I thought was very cool. I am, I like the story of the switch of Natsupoi from Donna Domundo to Cosmic Angels. Like, I like the idea you fight in the cage, you lose, you fight again because they fought at the Cork she wins to sort of prove herself as equal and then go, okay, I want to go with these people. The thing I didn't really understand, I do sort of agree with you on the thing of like, why do wrestlers wrestle entire matches and then turn on their team? But that's more of a thing that happens in a ton of wrestling. Yeah. It happens all the time. It is sort of annoying to me, but I've sort of accepted it as like, this is a wrestling thing that happens. Less less than like, oh, stardom look what they did i'm like yeah this is just sort of the way people have decided to do it's it a,
3: it's a bad trope
2: yes um the thing that was weird to me was i do have to say before this the one thing i like is not gets in the ring at the end of the match and is talking to tom about oh you know i want to move to you know cosmic angels blah 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 all the things she was saying Unagi was standing in the background with a face that was looking like she was thinking, "What the fuck is this?" Uh huh. <laughs> she was like, "Uh," which really made me laugh. I thought it was very funny. The thing I didn't understand about it is, from the Donna Domundo perspective, you're in this match, you're fighting hard. Julia gets kicked in the face and eliminated by Natsupoi. And then there's sort of this slow procession at the end of the match of Donna Del Mundo, people coming in the ring and being like, I'm very sad you're leaving. It was very
3: it's- much. A, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed, which I think was even better than if they would just like attack her.
2: Like, but to me, it just sort of felt like if I were in that position, I would have much rather at least one of them be like, what the hell? like I'm very mad and you can still be like hey I'm really sad you're leaving but it felt more to me <laughs> a disconnect between the match happens and then it felt almost like a like the matches they do where it's like the losing team gives up one of their members to yeah. the winning team where they're like oh we're so sad you're leaving we can't we can't believe that you're leaving i'm like she just betrayed you in the middle of this match on a sort of big show um, so that was the weird thing. Like, I totally get the switch. You know, there's been all these rumors that Tom is going to retire, so you know, this could be making the way for Natsupoi to become the top of Cosmic Angels, and that could be the story that she sort of takes over the leadership when she leaves. You know, Cosmic Angels is sort of big, although I don't know what they're going to do with these color like. If all of a sudden tomorrow they were like, the Colors people are leaving. Cosmic Angels isn't that big. uh, Because you've just gotten rid of a a bunch of people. But yeah, it was just weird to me to have this feeling of like, we've been betrayed by you. Like, we're
3: so sad we're sad to see you leave. <laughs> like to me, it didn't feel sad. Like it, it felt more, they like they were betrayed. I mean, I haven't seen the translations or anything, so I can't speak to that. But to me, it felt like they were like, especially kind of Himika's response and how she kind of stormed off at the end. And Michael went running after her. and Thekla's response I thought was really good. Like she'd kind of communicated just really just disappointment to me. And then, then there's my Sakurai just standing there like, the broom that became a human that she is just doing nothing looking kind of dead behind the eyes. And it's like, Oh, is it time to do the fist pose? And they're all like, no, not now.
2: Um, but yeah, it just seemed it, it, there was no urgency to it either. It just seemed to go on for a while. And oh, it I was, was like, a
3: long ass segment.
2: <laughs> I was like, there's not. <sighs> yeah. I just didn't really, i totally got it on a sort of surface level but the execution of it i was sort of like "Eh, okay
3: yeah Um, there was a bit at the very end when my COVID brain came through and i was really confused when um mina grabbed the mic and started saying ladies and gentlemen and then went into her spiel because at first i thought the pheromones from ddt were coming out and i got incredibly confused (laughs) I was like, oh, no, what what is about to happen? And then I realized it was Mina talking, not uh, Dino.
2: The next match, our semi main event was for the Wonder of Stardom title match. The champion, Saya Kamatani, defeating Starlight Kid in 23 minutes and 35 seconds with the Phoenix Splash. Kelly, I'll let you go first.
3: I hate the Saya title run. I (laughs) I hate it it's every match is the same i have the same problems with every match it's just doing a bunch of shit there's no psychology to it like Saya sold her leg so much more after the bell than she did in the match itself everything is so excessive you know it's not a Saya match until you get two straight apron bumps because fucking of course you have to like i someone needs to reprogram her she is not a good wrestler like she's technically gifted, but she does not have like, she can't put together a match to save her life because they're all the same. And it just feels like you're watching a fire pro match where it's, they're trying to get the stars and it's like, all right, cool. You're just doing a bunch of shit, but you're not telling a story. Like, I don't know. I went two stars on it just cause it's, On a technical level, it was good, but I don't think it hung together as a story at all. And I'm really, really, really tired of this title, run.
2: Kelly, I think this might be the biggest difference of opinion we've ever had on this podcast. Really? Wow. Based on you giving it two stars. Because I thought this match ruled. Really? Okay. I, I thought the leg selling was really... I thought it was very good. Uh I loved uh there was a messy Spanish fly in the middle. I just thought it was okay. Now, now I'm like Yeah, okay, I don't I know what def- the
3: hell happened with that.
2: I have to defend my position here. Um <laughs> I I disagree with you because I thought that the leg selling, and I thought Saya did very well with the leg selling for someone who doesn't do that type of match that I can remember like there were obviously moments when she sold it slightly better. There were moments when she was slightly worse, when it was sort of like, okay, the next part of this match needs to be this. And it was sort of like, okay, she's sort of getting there and then selling after or something like that. But I thought for the level of someone who doesn't do it a lot and sort of does have these matches that are like, move, 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 move. I thought she was really good. Uh, I thought it was excellent. I think some of it, I would think or hope, was the influence of Starlight Kid, who I thought was really good. Uh, Saya hit some really good suplexes on Starlight Kid in the middle of the match. I just thought it was great. I thought it had that story of Saya having to work around the leg. You know, she'd hit a move. She went up to do the Phoenix Splash early and couldn't quite steady herself on the rope because of the leg.
3: That was good. I did like that.
2: It was everything that, you know, I've sat on this podcast and I'm like, I would love Sia to do a match where she sells a leg. And she did it. And I love the match. And I'm like, see, I am correct. Uh, (laughs) I went four and three quarter stars. Holy shit.
3: (laughs) That's insane.
2: I was thinking about five. I couldn't quite get to five because of, A few of the legs, you know, the Spanish fly was a little bit, and some of the leg stowing stuff was not perfect, but I just thought it was really good. It gave the match to me a structure, a through line that it does, that they never have when it's just like, here's a move, here's a move, we're doing a move, we're doing a strike exchange. There was a through line of she's got to work around the leg. You know, she hits a move. She can't make the pin. She goes to the top rope to do the Phoenix blast. She can't quite get there because the leg isn't working. It gave it some sort of focal point that to me made it so much stronger than those matches that are just, wow, look, she did a this. Wow, look, she did that move, which to me I can see – at this point in stardom like twice a month, multiple yeah. times a month. So uh, like I said, I think the biggest disagreement we've ever had on this
3: podcast, I think so. Uh, yeah. I can't... think honestly, I probably would have liked this match a little bit more without the leg selling because it was to me, the inconsistency of it just kept popping up. And I was like, well, why should? Why doesn't she care about that now? Oh no, she does. Okay. All right. Now she's falling down. Oh, she can barely walk. Well, they're putting the title back on her I really there was a span where I went from like oh this is all right, to like okay cool I don't like this match at all when uh, it was like later in the match when Starlight Kid had her in the crazy leg lock thing she does and and she escaped out of that and you know got to the ropes and then Starlight Kid hit her with like two or three different suplexes and both times she's like ah kick out and I was like what the fuck just let Starlight Kid win (laughs)
2: I also think the match was helped in that I did think that Starlight Kid could win the match. That was another thing that I think helps it, where a lot of these title matches, I'm like, okay, I know who's winning. Where I thought, okay, Starlight Kid could reasonably win this match. She is getting a big push. Uh, Sai has had the title for a while, so I think that also helped. Because I think it helped me buy some of the near falls where I'm like, oh, she could win. Um, But yeah, I just... I loved it. Uh one of my fa- one of my favorite stardom matches of the year, one of my favorite match of the year, period. Wow. Uh which
3: I I feel like with Saya now, I'm like, oh is this is this why people don't like Will Ospreay? Is this that? Am I f am I the old man now? Like is that who I am? <laughs> am I just like, oh just those flips, no no psychology to it. I'm old. Like that's all right, I guess that's who I am now
2: wow uh i'm a corn cob (laughs) wild stuff and now i'm really glad we didn't talk before because then i would have been prepared and instead i could (laughs) in real time be shocked by how differently we felt about this match Uh, but i thought it was very good i thought it was easily the best match of the show um and uh, a really good run we haven't talked about it um And we probably won't, but this show, it's funny because you were like, oh, I didn't like the show. And up really until the, really up until this match, I was sort of like, I had liked the high speed match. The openers I hadn't been crazy about, The, the Donna Del Mundo Cosmic Angel stuff I was sort of up and down on. So I sort of went into this match being like, oh, this is sort of one of those stardom shows Where it's not the big, big shows, but it's sort of like a quote-unquote big show. And I was sort of like, yeah, this is the way I'm feeling where the show I think is just fine. Uh, And then this match really bumped it up for me.
3: I think my high point of the entire show was those two Micah eliminations. (laughs) I think that was the most I enjoyed this show.
2: And finally, the main event for the World of Stardom title, the champion Shuri defeating Momo Watanabe in 20 minutes and 16 seconds. I like this match. I didn't love it. Now it was following up on a match I thought was really good, which probably didn't help. I don't know how much I love the stuff with the wrench, which was clearly the sort of story of the match. It was in Momo's um entrance video like her yeah i love that she's wrench got a big like Ugh.
3: yeah look at this wrench here here's how wrenches are built like <laughs> like here's a bull blueprint for it in my opener the thing that
2: i this is sort of my what's up with wrestling stuff that you sort of had with the um turning on someone at the end of a match is you put the wrench in your boot the ref doesn't know the wrench is in your boot why don't you just go over to the person and kick the shit out of them for like five minutes with a wrench in your boot?
3: Yeah. You don't have to only do it the one time you, you do can it the one time. And you're like, kicking.
2: you're like, Oh, I didn't pin her, pick her up and kick her with your wrench th- boot again. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I've have never been crazy about the more overt, um, 080 tie interference stuff which always sort of makes me roll my eyes and I hope that this is not a preview of the 5 star for Momo because I don't want you know interference I don't really want that I don't love you know the New Japan style like oh we're doing a big tournament so one match every night will be a match that really annoys you with interference
3: well they went through the trouble of rendering that uh, wrench so I think I think they're gonna they're gonna keep doing this. Uh,
2: but I said I liked it, didn't love it. I went four stars, but I don't know if that's really how I feel about
3: it. I went three stars because I came away with this match with zero thoughts on it. Like I have no opinions. I watched it I was like that. Sure was a wrestling, and then kind of just went about my day.
2: <laughs> I sort of watched it. I was like, I. Did like this i'm not sure am i off the fumes of the previous match <laughs> um so i was sort of was like four stars um yeah i mean it also was one of those matches where you're like well momo's not winning yeah clearly um so yeah uh but a show that i actually ended up really enjoying and combined with the 526 show i'm like the probably the highest i've been on stardom um we didn't talk about the 526 show
3: uh, cage match very good
2: cage match very good and i thought the main event was very good um
3: oh yeah i didn't like that one as much i of that five,
2: i mean i didn't like it as much but i went five yeah. stars on the semi main so
3: oh, yeah but like um, I, I the the main i, I probably haven't my notes somewhere i don't know i didn't i didn't go very high on it just like I don't like those. It very much felt like I think I said it on the solo show where it was just like it's like one of those WWE matches where it's just like, all right. uh, It's that time of the calendar. So hell in a cell. You guys are going to have this cage match uh, just because. And it's like I I did really love the fact that uh, Utami was just like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this match. This is stupid. I should get out of here.
2: Um, But I really liked the top four matches on that show. I think I went all four stars or above. Um, So I really liked that show. Um, And I tweeted about it, and I think I said it was one of the best stardom shows I had seen in at least a number of years. I thought it was very good. And combined with this, hey, maybe, as I said, I think stardom is starting to do more things that I said they should should do. (laughs) So because they're doing it, I am really liking it. See, it's that easy, Stardom. Just do the things that I suggest doing on this podcast. Yeah. And uh, I'll enjoy the shows.
3: All right, you can book Stardom. I'll book AEW's women's division.
2: All right, so what else happened? We'll quickly cover the rest of Stardom. As we mentioned, they had the and Hall show with the Henan draw with Tomoko Inaba for the future of Stardom title. They had Natsupoi versus Tam, Tom 2. Uh, which I I think I saw online some people liked more than the cage match, but I went five stars on the cage match. So obviously I did not like this match as much.
3: Yeah, I went Um, three and three quarter or four and three quarters on the cage match and then four on this one.
2: And then they had the end of the five star qualifying league. We will be talking uh, all about the five star Grand Prix next episode as we preview everyone in it and all the... Oh, what?
3: Oh, I just remembered the uh, the Tom Natsupoi 2 is my match of the year in one regard in that I really enjoyed how many times Tom pushed over Daichi. That was great. She like pushed him down like three times. It was awesome.
2: There were some major Daichi moments in the past two weeks that we talked about Daichi trying to catch Tom at the end or catch <laughs> Natsupoi at the end yeah. of the cage match, which was very bizarre to me.
3: There was one bit on the uh, the the show on the 9th, I can't remember what match it was, but at some point, Daichi is just in the corner, just taking his mask off, just breathing the heaviest breaths possible. I'm like, dude, I don't know, maybe if you can't do, if you can't reference a mask, maybe you shouldn't be doing that right now. <laughs> like, he looked like he was not doing great at that moment. <laughs>
2: Uh, what else happened in stardom on July 2nd? Hazuki and Kogamo went to a 30 minute time limit draw with Amy Sore and Mirai for the tag title. So they will be having a rematch, which we will talk about in a second. They had a show on July 3rd. And then on July 8th, they had new blood number three, which both Kelly and I watched. I think I was slightly higher on it than Kelly was. I thought it was a mostly fine show. I thought, Uh, Suzu Suzuki and Mirai was the highlight of the show, and clearly the low light of the show, (laughs) Wakasukiyama coming out in blackface.
3: Oh, Waka, what are you doing? Like we all know, that's not what she intended, but it's still not good. And someone, even she, should have known better. Like she, I'm pretty sure she spent time in america like as growing up like i'm pretty sure that's something that she did like she should know better and like i get it it's the inverse of rom's paint like i i see what you're doing but, I, but don't don't do blackface
2: <laughs> i just thought take it out of the context of you know it being problematic which it clearly is but let's just pretend it's not for the moment
3: it didn't even look good to me. Oh, no. she very big, sad clown vibes.
2: And, like, she took it, she, well, first of all, she came to the ring holding the towel awkwardly in front yes. of her face for a while. And I was like, this is very weird. Um, not even in the cool way that, like, uh, Minoru Suzuki comes out with. it, sort of draped over his face and you're like, "Ah." Oh. Very cool. She came out like holding it like a curtain where she was going to like do a magic trick and be like, da-da! And (laughs) then she reveals it to almost no
3: reaction. Any reaction there was was people laughing at her. Like it was uncomfortable laughing.
2: It wasn't even like, wow, whoo! It was just like, (laughs) reveal. And then the match was not all that good. But New Blood 3, I thought, overall, taking that part out of it, I mean,
3: fine. Yeah, it was probably my least favorite of the New Blood shows.
2: Yeah, I think it didn't peak as high. I thought Suzu and Mirai was good. Like, I was sort of three and a half, maybe bordering on three and three quarters.
3: Yeah. It and then also... the uh, the prominence member that everyone, including myself, always forgets about choked out uh, Siri. That was weird.
2: <laughs> it also was one of those things where Mirai and Suzu was sort of getting hyped because I didn't watch it that morning when it aired. I watched it that night and I sort of saw online people being like, whoa, it's really, really good. And I sort of watched it and was like, uh, this is good, but not sort of the th- the good I was expecting based on the reaction from some people. So that might have might have hurt it a little bit for me. What else went on in the world of Joshi Wrestling in the last two weeks? Seedling had a show on June 30th. Asuka and Makoto in the main event, retaining their tag titles over Amazon and Rina Yamashita. Uh, Sendai Girls had a show today on July 10th. Uh, From Corican Hall, a really good show that aired live. I did watch it. The main event, Dash Shizako against Suzu, Suzuki, really good. Some really cool spots. Dash especially taking some pretty gnarly bumps and then giving some gnarly bumps, including one that, you know, the big move from the match, Dash jumping off a ladder from in the ring to a table outside. But there was a move where Dash just rode a ladder down onto Suzu. Uh, which looked really crazy. And then the main event, the Sendai Girls title match to Hiro Hashimoto retaining her title against Asuka in the main event. Another really good match. Asuka continuously um, taking suplexes as dangerously as she possibly can every single time, which is wild. (laughs) But if you can check out that show, the top two matches are really fun. And that match... Or that show, I should say, had cheering because Sakura Hirota came out in the middle of the show and said, everyone, break the rules. (laughs) And people did break the rules. Uh, Ice Ribbon had a number of shows, not much going on there. Diana had a show today. Haruka Umasaki retaining the Princess of Pro Wrestling title over Naname. Wave wrapped up. There, catch the wave tournament. Only the finals are left, which we will talk about in a second. And Kelly, what was going on the last two weeks in Choco Pro?
3: All right, Choco Pro two forty one from July first. Best Bros, uh, team of ruga and Balianaki defeated Sayaka Obihiro and yuna mizumori in the main event. A fun, fast paced match. I went three and a half stars. Uh Chaco Pro 242 on the third. Uh Kirihara and Yuna defeated May and Chie Koshikawa in the main. Uh Chaco Pro 243 on the ninth. Uh Kenoka defeated Yuna Mizumori in a match that I really only bring up because that's a weird match. Like, okay, cool. Kenoka's here to wrestle Yuna Mizumori. Why not? <laughs> uh and then the main event of that show was really good. Um The Egg Tarts team of Chie and Haganai Shino defeated Aki and Sayaka. Uh, Really good, hard-hitting match. Uh, I love a singles match between Shino and Sayaka. Uh, I went three and three quarters on that one. Uh, Then Pro 244 from today, the 10th. Uh, This one's notable because they upgraded their cameras and microphones. So they've got a better picture quality now. The only downside is that when you hand the camera to Antonio Honda, he does not know how to fix the focus. So you have to wait until May walks in the room for her to fix it for him. (laughs) Uh, So that's a bit of an issue. Uh, On that show, the opener was Obahiro Sayaka defeating Antonio Honda in a cream puff death match. So the rules of that match were it was two count falls. And after a fall, you had to eat a cream puff. And the loser of the match was the one that found the cream puff that was full of wasabi. Uh, Antonio Honda eventually did find the wasabi. But uh, this was a super fun match. Uh, really goofy, included a musical interlude. Uh, and then it just kind of turned into them rolling back that match from the very early days of Choco Pro, where Honda and Sayaka just chopped the hell out of each other. Like, I think, what was that? Choco Pro 3, maybe? Yeah, this was fun. Those two have really good chemistry. Uh, I went three and a half stars on that one. Uh, And then the main event, Best Bros defeated Chie and Kaori Oniyama. This was Aki's goodbye match as he is leaving for, I think, two months to head to America. Uh, It was slightly marred by the audio being out of sync, but that's more just growing pains with their new technology as they kind of figure things out. Uh, But I still enjoyed it. I went three and a half stars on that one. And then after the match, May challenged Chie to a singles match to show that Choco Pro is still fine, even with people leaving for a while. So things are looking good in the Choco Pro world.
2: All right, and what is coming up in the next two weeks? Stardom has a bunch of shows, some sh- some house shows on the fourteenth, sixteenth, and eighteenth, but then on the twenty third, the first ever Stardom in Showcase. Uh, stardom in showcase is a new um don't want to say third brand but it is a third sort of wing of stardom just like new blood is a wing stardom in showcase i believe the words they use is you'll see things in stardom in showcase you wouldn't see in or on regular stardom shows they have a show on their first show on the 23rd two matches have been announced as of this moment the first A Falls Count Anywhere match. Tom Nakino, Koguma, Azumi, and Momo Watanabe in a four-way there. Uh, The art of this match seems to be on a playground. So not entirely sure if that will factor into the match or if it's just the graphic that they are using.
3: I'm, I'm getting the vibe that this is cinematic matches. Like, I... I think Rossi finally just discovered them. I was like, all right, let's try give this a shot. <laughs> and the other match that has been announced is a three-way
2: coffin match, Starlight Kid, Saya Kamatani and the mysterious Grim Reaper <laughs> in a three-way coffin match i just like reading the mysterious grim reaper the mysterious grim reaper has been attacking um in videos attack starlight kid so i'm assuming although i don't know i'm assuming this match would begin and the mysterious grim reaper will reveal themselves although i don't know maybe they wrestle the whole match as the mysterious grim reaper uh we will see as Kelly just said, Kelly thinks that these are going to be cinematic matches. I don't think they'll be cinematic matches, but we don't know.
3: Yeah, and uh, I ha- I have nothing to back up that opinion, like that thought. Like, I just think they are. and I don't know why. It's just the vibe I get. The language that
2: stardom has used to talk about these shows is not entirely clear, except for, as I said, the fact that these are things you wouldn't see in I guess, quote unquote, regular stardom, whatever that means. But we will see uh, what happens there. I'm looking forward to it. I think these two matches sound very weird and will be a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, I'm into it.
2: Then on the 24th, Stardom has their next big show, which is Midsummer Champions in Nagoya, I believe is the title of the show. Two matches announced for that, two title matches. Saki Kashima, Starlight Kid, and Momo Watanabe will defend their Artist of Stardom titles against Julia, Micah, and Himika at the end of that five... uh, No, at the end of the June 26th show... Uh, the stars, the winning Stars trio from the cage match said that they wanted to challenge for the titles, but they did not win the follow-up match at Cork, and so instead it will be the Donna Domundo team. And the main event, a rematch of the time limit draw, Koguma and Izuki will defend their tag titles against Amy Sore and Mirai of God's Eye. Seedling has a show coming up on July 13th, uh, celebrating the anniversary of Riko Kaiju's debut. Asuka versus Riko Kaiju is the opener. Amazon versus Riko Kawahata. Makoto and Risa Kagura versus Yuna Manase and Chie Ozora. And the main event is Arisa Nakajima, Ayame Sasamura, and Riko Kaiju against Dash Shizako, Maika Ozaki, and Mayumi Ozaki. So that will be. That should be a fun show. Oz has a show on July 18th. Tokyo Joshi is not slowing down. Their Tokyo Princess Cup number nine will start on July 16th. The first round will be July 16th and 17th. The quote-unquote second round will be on the 18th and the 23rd. This is one of those where they have 20 people entering. Uh, They have not announced who those 20 people will be yet. 20 people entering, so they have a couple matches where to get to that next round, they have to. uh, Some people will have to wrestle twice, some people will only have to wrestle once. Sendai Girls have another show on July 15th. Dash Shizako and Hiroya Matsumoto against Mika Iwata and Miyuki Takase is the main event of that show. Ice Ribbon has a few shows coming up. One that stood out to me was on july seventeenth, they will be at the exquisite gourmet picnic festival. Oh uh, hell yeah. Which is described as Zeppin Fest 2022 is full of exquisite gourmet foods from all over the country. There are plenty of things that not only adults but also children can enjoy, such as gorgeous performances on the stage. You can enjoy it like a picnic. Uh,
3: that sounds wonderful.
2: And then the next day on the 18th, Ibuki versus Matsuhita. The winner will face Hikaru Shida at Ice Ribbons, and Hall Show on July 31st. And then finally, as I mentioned, the Catch the Wave stuff coming to the end. The finals, Nagisa Nozaki against Suzu Suzuki for the Regina DeWave title on July 17th. So that is everything that is coming up in the next two weeks when we're back with you. We'll of course be talking the Tokyo Princess Cup and hopefully those two big stardom shows. Kelly, you got anything more you want to say to the people? You got a movie review? It's been a while.
3: Uh, Yeah, Like directly before we recorded the show, I went to go see the new Thor. Uh, That was alright. I like the comics it's based on more. Uh, so read the uh, first 11 issues of Thor God of Thunder for the God Butcher story arc because that story fucking rules.
2: All right. Well, a backdoor comic review. <laughs> uh, Kelly trying to get a spinoff here of his movie yeah. reviews. Uh, <laughs> but that is all for us and we will talk to you again in two weeks. Goodbye. Bye, everybody.